welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Blue Saracino. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming. I know you do few, very few shows, so this is a, a special thing, you coming on, and I appreciate it. Um, but I thought we could talk a little bit about anybody that's really been into guitar and metal in our age group knows you from a lot of the guitar magazines, and Guitar from Practicing uh, Musician, right, is where you started? Yeah, correct. And you started from a very, very, very young age. So I think it's quite a, uh, like it was very relatable to a lot of people in our age group, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing yeah. to see somebody like, to me, I was like, oh my God. Because I'm like, I'm born to seven, and I think you're like maybe a year less. And, and I'm like, oh my God, some of our age is like, look what he's doing already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was fantastic. Um, could we, let's talk a little bit about your first starting off, you know, briefly, because it feels like you had your parents were very much behind you, which yep. is um, a huge gift. Yeah, it is. It really, I mean, it's, 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 it's yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of has advantages and, and disadvantages. I mean, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have financial advantages. That was for sure. So that was kind of like a one thing that kind of worked against you. But what we, my parents were very much behind me, especially my dad. I think he, mm-hmm. um, like in essence, I grew up in in, in Connecticut. Ultimately, uh, kind of right in the middle, and uh, moved around a bunch there. And my dad was, you know, did uh, was doing like flooring, and I was kind of like, you know, kind of learning that trade because it was yeah. just a way to make money uh, at the time when I was young. I mean, I, I remember going to work when I was like, you know, I don't know, ten, you know, five, eight, whatever. I mean, as long, I mean, really young, like you know, and just would hang out there. And then eventually, as I got older, uh, he was like, "Hey, do you want to do?" You know, I, I would start working there. So my my life was kind of going definitely was that was going to be one possible direction of just learning a trade and, you know, sustaining yourself through life through those things. So, um, which was, which was fine, but he was into music. My whole, uh, household was very musical. Like I would have very distinct memories of like going, you know, waking up in the morning and before my dad would go to work, he, you know, he had this really cool, he was into music. So he'd play like these albums. I'd wake up to like everything from like Joni Mitchell to like, you know, Iron Maiden, like crazy, you know, We've got, you know, Doc Watson, then you've got, you know, uh, ACDC, you've got, you know, uh, uh, everything in between. Wow. So I would literally wake up in the morning and, you know, you know, like you'd hear the beginning of like, you know, you know, Iron Maiden, you're like, holy cow, you know. And so uh, that was the starting off point. So I it was just, I think, a good kind of mutual. It was like a good bonding for the whole family. We all really had music in in in. Uh, in common so my dad would have a band i'd get up when i was little i was very very little like when i was i think i started playing right when i was around nine uh but i didn't really take it too serious then i really kind of took it serious from like 13 on and uh because i i ended up i was a bmx racer because that was the thing to do you know and uh i ended up breaking my my elbow and so i had them cast it kind of like so they could hold it across my chest because it was i was bored wasn't i couldn't ride the bike because you right. know so I would just pull the sling off and then at night I could just practice guitar. So uh, then when I, when I, that took like four weeks or whatever it took. And then when I got back, I hadn't been riding for four weeks. So every, you know, and, but I had been playing guitar. So it just kind of was going down that path, but I would get up with my dad's band and play. I remember doing Johnny be good. And, you know, I was just so little, I'd go in a club and people would freak out. And so it Imagine. got a good response. So ultimately, yeah, I started with parents that were very much behind me. Like, you know, is, uh, like I left school, I never finished high school because I needed like a credit and a half. And uh, at that point, I was about to sign a record deal. And my dad's like, hey, listen, my kids kind of got an opportunity and we're going to go pursue this. Is there any chance we can just, you know, 
graduate with the class, maybe, you know, do some side classes. And they were like, no, because it was a public school and they needed the attendance. So my dad's like, you want my kid to go to school for eight hours for a credit and a half? And they're like, yeah, that's the policy. And my dad's like, we're out of here, you know, and I'm thinking we are out of here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Holy, I'm totally blown away by the side of your dad. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He he was he's originally from France. He, so he has kind of like a, a bit of a European approach. European where, attitude, yeah. Yeah, he's very much just point A to point B and and not necessarily doesn't doesn't bother himself with the 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 you know taking the the the, the details and the minutiae. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's just kind of which was which was great. It was almost like a laser focus in and that works great for certain things, you know. Yeah. Um his approach was very much just that. And so you know, we would drive into New York and we, I remember buying guitars, like, you know, he bought me a Jackson when, you know, you couldn't even get those things. And then, uh, I, you know, I'm sure I traded that for, for whatever. And then I ended up getting a Pensa Sur because he really just wanted to make sure I had the best tools to work with. And, uh, and they were very much behind my, my project. And then later on, I, uh, I worked with a gentleman out of Connecticut named Brian Cohen, which was an outstanding manager. He ran a music store in, I think in New Haven called Brian Guitars. And, um, and I worked with him until I ended up moving out to California. And then it just, because I had made the move out to California in California, we, I really felt you needed kind of a boots on the ground approach, which was, even though he was a phenomenal uh, business person, uh, he just was 3000 miles away. You know what I mean? That was really the drawback for me. It was that there was the time difference and there was, I just needed someone that could, you know, deal with, with all the people face to face. And, and, and so at that point I was like, you know what? I was kind of up and running at that point. So I just had my dad kind of take over just because I needed a buffer between the whole point of management is not even just direction as much as sometimes it's just a buffer between you and the client, let's say, mm -hmm. you know? So, so I worked for a long time for many, many years with my dad. So, you know, and uh, was very grateful for that. It makes a huge difference. I didn't have to fight against the, the, the tide on that. So that was huge. So you were in, you were at that point you were in California and your dad was here too. Are you guys all moved out? Yeah. I ended out? up moving out when I was like 19 uh, and sadly, I'm 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 now 50, so I've actually I've actually aged up a bit uh, just because I was born in 71. But uh, yeah, ultimately, when I was uh, 19, what ended up happening was I got the first record deal, and like I said, I've been through this a thousand times with the whole past and how I got the record deal, and but it just goes on. I mean, it's a great story, but I've just told it so many yeah, times. Yeah, we can skim through that. We can skim through that. It's out yeah, I just don't think I just don't think I could like honestly, if I can't really commit to something. Honestly. Hard, but ultimately, I was 19. I was working on the third record, uh, and I ended up recording it at my parents' house in Ojai, California. They, I kind of went up to them. I would come out during January, like January. I'd leave Connecticut where it was cold and you had snow chains on the tires and you know yeah, road yeah, salt yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Gets ugly here. Yeah, and then I'd come out to California. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! Like, you know, everybody looks good. The, you know, there's, there's, you know, I, I don't need a jacket. And so I said, okay, it, I had to make a career choice. I either had to kind of ultimately work out of New York or Los Angeles because I really felt those were the two kind of meccas that were gonna mm -hmm. ultimately provide the most opportunities. And I just liked the the. Um, I just liked the weather so much better in California. I didn't want to. If I was gonna pay the money to live out here, and it's brutal. Um, I mean, it's really brutal. Uh, I wanted at least the weather. I didn't want to kind of pay the same money and then live in New York and, you know, have the garbage on the streets. At the time, New York wasn't what it oh, was. It was now. bad back then. Yeah, it was rough. And so it didn't make sense. So I moved out to California and about, I had to kind of time it because I was still on the road. I was still doing guitar clinics. I still had a record I owed. So uh, I ultimately was kind of living with a girlfriend at the time. And I kind of gave my parents a heads up. I said, I'm done with Connecticut. I'm going to move out to California and, and make go for it out there. And they're like, well, there's really nothing holding us here. You know, we, we, my brother was there and 
um, and my parents were there. And so ultimately my brothers decided to stay behind. Uh, and then my parents moved out about three months before me, I think, and they ended up settling in Ohio. So it worked out when I came out here, I had like a little base to work out of. And, uh, and that was it. And then I moved out to California wow. and that was when I was 19. So, uh, from there I've lived out here ever since. And, you know, it's done very, very well for me. I, you know, I've been able to kind of create a nice life. I, you know, met my wife out here. It's great. So there's many things about California. I, I really appreciated a lot of things I do not care for out here, but, uh, that's a whole nother story. So it's, 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 it's a crazy place for sure. It sounds like the perfect balance. Cause I think you have a work ethic where you didn't get crazy. I'm sure we'll talk a little more like with the rock and roll lifestyle. Cause a, you weren't in it and you had more time to study being back here in Connecticut. That's where I'm yeah. from. And then you got the best part as a young adult. But by that time you were kind of grounded. You were already kind of a, like an, uh, an old young person personality wise, probably cause your, your father and your mom had kind of instilled something into you a little different than going crazy. You know what I mean? Cause that you were pretty focused. Oh yeah, which no, I was and work I, I, I honestly, not getting you know messed up. Yeah, no, it was one. It's not really in my nature. Even when I toured with the biggest of big groups and we were doing all those stadium tours, I never, you know, I, I just kind of kept them. I, I just kind of did my own thing. You know, I mean, I never was. That was never. To be totally honest with you, uh, I really just loved the music. I, I, the lifestyle is not really for me. It never really was. So I never chased that. It never had too much shine. I remember being as a kid, I would play, you know, because obviously I was, it was exceptionally underage. So, you know, I would get my parents to kind of bring me in. They'd let me play a song or two. Then I had to kind of sit in the back, you know, and I would just see, you know, I'd see people, you know, super drunk, just doing the dumbest shit. And I was just like, I, I want no part of that. And, and as the night went on, it just got dumber and dumber. And uh, so ultimately that was just never for me. I mean, it was so crazy. Even when I was on the road with the bands, I mean, I honestly always had like a girlfriend, you know I mean? I just would run into somebody I really liked and I was happy there. So I didn't, you know, the road didn't bring any advantages other than just playing for more people. So it was really just a pure kind of thing. Like I don't like touring because it's the 23 hours of waiting to play the one hour show. And honestly, touring is hard. It's dangerous. I mean, you know, you're sitting on a, you know, Florida coach skidding across the highway during the winter. I mean, that's, that's dicey, man. You take a couple, I've had a couple air, I've had a couple of flights where I was like, man, whew, I was happy to be on the ground, you know, and, and, you know, just traveling and, you know, going around the world. And, you know, so it has its pros, it has its cons. Uh, I, I don't want to, um, I don't want to like, you know, I guess it's, I don't know if the word is dissuade somebody from doing it. If you're a young person and you really, there's, listen, go out there, chase your dream, do your thing. I, I applaud that on all levels. It's just kind of who you, you know, it's just going to bring out more of who you are. You know what I mean? Right. And so for me, I never did. I never was a drug guy. I just was never, I never really honestly drank. I, I don't, I don't not drink. I just don't really drink. Like at our house, right. you can leave a soda here and it won't last more than a day. You could leave wine here and that shit will turn to vinegar. It's just, you know, we just don't, you know, I just, it, just never kind of got into it. And, and honestly, with my personality being so focused on stuff, I'm kind of glad because my gut feeling is it probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be very good at it, you know? So, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's really it made a difference in your career now. And, and I think you've got a little best of both worlds because you, you, you did play from there. You played with uh, Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and honestly, if you're getting messed up, then if you're really thinking about it, like looking back now, there's really no room for you to be getting messed up because you had Ginger. Yeah, yeah, so was, there was like you couldn't even relax at party there was no, no, no party was because like, you were you, you already had the party yeah like a lot of times the best way i could explain just touring in general or just a career in general in the music industry is that scene in boogie nights where the where the the guy's lighting off the firecrackers yeah. you know? <laughs> and you're just you know that is that is an element of just the the life you know because you're in essence uh 
you know, you're taking kind of more of an unconventional route. It's not like, hey, I've got, you know, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get to college, your typical thing. And which is, you know, it just kind of comes down to who you are. I don't necessarily know, especially in this day and age. I don't know. It's so bananas out there just in the real world. Now that I have kids and I'm trying to help guide them through the gauntlet. Uh, I mean, it's just bananas on so many levels. So for me, I didn't really mind not I didn't I, I never had a backup plan on that level and I didn't care because ultimately I'd always survive on some level. I had enough life skills to kind of figure it out in one way or another so because um, you have to realize even look at a career I started like so I got this opportunity I was going to work with Michael Bolton that did not end up happening so I they gave me an opportunity to, to do a guitar record I was like okay I was never never even set out to do that. I was never like, oh man, I'm going to make guitar my primary. I was just like, I just wanted to get from point A to point B. So the whole career, as a matter of fact, every person I've ever run into of, of, of any great amount of success, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have just been kind of like, hey man, whatever door opens up, that's what we're going to go through. And then you just kind of, you know, I like to ride the horse that shows up outside the house type scenario. And um, so uh, that was kind of a, a, an interesting approach, but there's no fallback, but I didn't really care because, you know, ultimately I would just figure a way of surviving on a different level. I'm not saying I could survive on the, on the level that I, you know, that I live now. We have, you know, a, a particular lifestyle and that requires, you know, that requires, it requires a decent amount of income to make that happen. The world's yeah, changed you know. too. You know what I mean? There's no, I don't even think there are no rock stars, rock up and coming bands. It's not the same anymore. Yeah, and everything changes anyhow. And, but I think, like I said, you had, you had to play with, you know, Cream, pretty much. And then, oh, yeah. you got to, then you got to do a world tour, get it out of your system. So you got yeah. the benefits of a world tour without yeah, having yeah. to stay in the band. And then you got a more family-oriented career. So it's kind of like you got like a little beach, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I, lo- I loved it. But you have to realize my career has basically started off as like, you know, I was kind of always just like a, a musician or an artist, ultimately. Right. And then it was like, well, here's an opportunity. If you really lean on the guitar aspect of it, we can open some doors. So I leaned into that. And then we started doing guitar clinks. We started kind of working. And I loved it. But keep in mind, that wasn't my ultimate goal. Like, I look at a guy like a, a Steve Vai who... I kind of feel like in, in, in meeting with him and talking with him like that, every fiber of his DNA seems to be that, you know what I mean? He's that's maybe that's why he's so exceptional at it. And, right. you know, or an Ingve or something like that. Like you just see these guys and you're like, okay, that was never really me on that level. So that's why I, I kind of took it. I took it as far, honestly, as far as I wanted to take it. And then I just kind of almost walked away from it on a, on a strange level, which is how many people would really do that? Not, not many, you know, oh, I just yeah. kind of knew that ultimately there was other, uh, other avenues I wanted to pursue. It's kind of like this, the analogy I always use is that if you sit down at the movie and you already know how it ends, what's the, why am I, I'm just wasting time and, you know, watching a movie here. So for me, and I always respected those, those guys, they were just so immensely talented and they would, it really felt genuine to them. For me, it wasn't. So I had to start off as like, you know, kind of a guy in a band then lean on the guitar stuff. Then I had to come out, you know, and, be a side man then it was really the songwriter like you know because that was really why i was getting hired at a lot of these these things mm-hmm. then i had to become a producer then an engineer then a mixer and then i had to play multi-instruments this is what it took to kind of ultimately get to the stage where i'm at now so there's like in essence all these tools were kind of what was put in my toolbox and, right. and it was great and and but that's what it takes like for what i do now you have to be so multifaceted on so many different levels that it, I can't even explain it to people. So I was grateful for each step because each step allowed me to kind of really um, refine those, those skill sets, which, which was great, you know, but yeah, I kind of did the guitar thing. I started with Jack and Ginger and then Ginger was, then Ginger was out. And then it was, um, 
Simon Phillips, you know, and I think he, I remember he played with the who at one point. So like, yeah. okay, there was Jack, Jin, Jack, you know, Ginger, then Simon Phillips comes in, then Gary husband comes in with, from level 42, you know, then at that point, um, it was great. It was, I was like five years into doing that. And I think I started when I was like 16. So I'm like now 21 or something like, or, you know, it's crazy. You know. Five years. Of yeah, but it wasn't 21. You're not even old enough to legally drink, but you're yeah, like yeah, five no, years yeah, of playing with those guys. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't crazy to me because keep in mind right. through my eyes, I was like, you know, I was of the, you know, the Van Halen generation or like Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses. I, I remember when I first saw that album cover, I'm like, this is a cool album cover. I was at like a biker party and I heard that record and I was like, oh shit, it's about to go off. These guys are, yeah. this is it. Get ready, strap in, you know? And so that's kind of ultimately where I wanted to be, you know, that was so, so playing with, with these, you know, credible, you know, I've got Jack doing an interview for Rolling Stone and he's saying all these things and they're getting written up now I'm in Rolling Stone. And then the advantage of that job, that, that opportunity uh, was that when we would play shows, all the music industry would just come because they were of that era. So like we had all the major labels were coming. We didn't have to hype them. They just showed up. As a matter of fact, they bought tickets. We didn't even comp them. (laughs) You know, they'd go. So what was so great about it is I'd run into people later on, you know, I'd run into the president of, of so-and-so records. She's like, Oh, I saw you in, you know, in, in down in, you know, in, in San Diego, California. I was like, really? You know what I mean? Or whatever. So it was opening more doors than I realized, but at the time I was like, I want to go play in Van Halen. Like, you know, that was kind of, I wanted something that was, so you know, once again, life is, you know, kind of, um, it's interesting. It's like, you know, what do they say? Uh, youth is wasted on the young, <laughs> you know, it, so. It, it is. I mean, but if you look back, I, you know, I have young kids and stuff too. And I'm like, I look back, I'm like, I think about how, how everything I've done led me to where I am, just like you say, but yeah, your career, the way it's totally, totally moved. I mean, and it's actually worked well because, when you hit Poison, it was metal was really on its way. The guitar god thing was kind of going. It out. was oh yeah, it was dipping, and then when, I mean, when, you hit oh, the highest point that you could in, in in the wave in the ocean at that point because yeah, I, I, yes and no. I mean, when I originally auditioned for it, it was it was it was me and and ultimately me and Richie Kotzen went out for the right. same gig and we like i said which I, i've talked about before you know we were in the same circle so we would talk and you know we were like we've always gotten along very well and i've always really respected his skill set yeah, and, and player at leo yeah phenomenal you know and i'd like to think the same so we always kind of really got along on that level and um so it was really just kind of so ultimately when i came into that job when i just say jobs because they're op- opportunities jobs whatever you want to call them they're right. just they were just let's say yeah. chapters of your of your life story whatever however you want to phrase it um uh I, you know, I had such a straightforward, like rock approach. And I think they were looking to go. And when I say they, I think it was ultimately the, the singer, Brett. I think, you know, like for me, I viewed that band as, you know, like I even told them, like this was my original, my pitch meeting, let's say. I walked in and said, listen, guys, you know, you guys are a great, fun time rock and roll band. The girls love you and the guys don't give a shit. And they never will, but the girls do. So, fuck those dudes. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? You're already there, you know, but time, you know, they had already kind of lived that, that, that lifestyle. I mean, I think they wanted, or I would like to think, you know, they as an entity wanted to kind of be go a little bit more serious and, and it felt like that with the stand and everything. It felt like they were, yeah, yeah. Which, which is called credibility. Yeah. They were kind of, and I'm just kind of like, dude, you know what I mean? It's like at the end of the day, there's just certain, you know, certain brands are going to be tarnished on certain ways and it's just what it is. So I was like, listen, what are we doing here? Let's just cut. So, I think that I think that was kind of, in my opinion, 
you know, was a big reason why they went the direction they went. So I think when Richie did that record, I think that was kind of the pinnacle. I think when I came in, it was definitely, it felt to me being on the inside, like it was, it was downsliding for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was unfortunate because we did this record, you know, which was, I thought was, was, was respectable for the time and for what we, you know, what there was to, you know, kind of culminate together, but it got shelved because as I joined and it took two years to make a record. And by that time, you know, the, the singers dating Pamela Anderson and there's all this, I mean, it's just like, just a lot yeah. of stuff going on and I'm just kind of like along for the ride. And I will say out of any band experiences, that band or any of them, it's, they've always been great experiences for me. I, I got to say, I don't have a single bad thing to say about any of them, not because it's the politically correct thing to do, just because I just don't have anything bad to say. Like it was, it was, they were honestly great experiences, great adventures. And, you know, we knew what it was. I was the, you know, I was the, 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 the you know, the, I was the trophy wife at that point, or it was, it was a marriage of convenience at that point. It was like, they yeah. needed, but the thing about poison that was what I liked. And the reason why I, I ended up, cause it was very hard to leave Jack because we had, we'd just grown together. So late. it was right. a five year. We were, it was kind of like, we were so such a well-oiled, we would just show up for, we didn't even do sound checks. We would just, I wouldn't see him for six months. We just show up, fly out to Poland, walk on stage. What's up, <laughs> you know? And that was it. Turn everything up. And we went for it because we just were, it was such a, a, a comfortable you know, machine that we just knew how to work. But for me, what I really wanted was to, you know, one, have caught, caught playing stadiums was a different experience. Two, I was just didn't want to play for a bunch of guys or older guys. I wanted to play for the for the for the ladies, you know, and uh, and then and then the thing for Poison, which was really a big thing for me is they needed the songwriter because the, the original guitar CC was 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 very instrumental in writing a lot of the songs. So for for the strength was you know, for, I think for them bringing me in wasn't just a guy that could play guitar. I mean, you can go through the magazine and find 10 of them at the time, but it was a fact that I could write, you know, and that was the deal. So that was really kind of a twofold thing. And so I had to make the journey to that. And then, like you were saying, by the time it came out at that point, the time had just moved on. And then once grunge hit fucking, you were out, man. Like yeah. that grunge was like a penicillin shot to rock and roll. It was done in any time. And it was of course now the pendulum swings both ways because if you reap the rewards of being, let's say, known as a certain type of guitarist of, let's say, in proficiency as part of the plan, you know, if you're, you know, they're not going to put Eddie Van Halen in Nirvana. It's just, it's not going to work. He, you know, he was known, he was the watermark for that. So the whole genre, basically, anytime, if you were associated with the old guard, you were out, you had to wait out the storm at that point, or just move on. And most people just couldn't really wait it out. So they had to move on. And, um, so for me, it was an interesting time because because I, you know, I, I jumped on that boat. It was almost like a nail in the coffin in certain regards, because you can't once again, now that, you know, guys are coming out and it was so anti having a good time. It was just more so introspective and moody and gloomy and the whole Seattle scene. And, you know, so I went in a different direction. I said, fuck this. I'm not going to fight the tides. And so I went into the production end and this and doing uh, session work, you know, because I figured, hey, my skill set is still my skill set you know, um, and then through doing the sessions, I learned a lot of the production techniques because I would be working with all these different producers and I saw how they produced, I saw how they engineered. So it was a chance for me to kind of almost go to, go to school without realizing it and getting paid for it. So it was the best I could do. Uh, but it was, it was interesting. I mean, definitely ebbs and flows at that point, it was a little different approach. I went from, you know, and I didn't want to do the guitar stuff. As a matter of fact, I ended up Every guitar I had, I ended up getting rid of every guitar I had except for one guitar. 
And like I was telling you earlier, the only person I really knew, I had a couple friends from Connecticut out here and my friend Dweezil was out here and he had like 80 guitars at the time or even more who I couldn't remember. So he was always very cool. And he would just like, I was like, Hey, I got a session. I need a Strat. I don't have a Strat. I got rid of my Strat. And so he would like lend me a Strat or he'd let, you know, cause he always had, you know, uh, it was like guitar center at his house. And uh, so that was an interesting time. And, and I just kind of needed to do that. I needed to kind of purge all that stuff because it was just part of me being, you know, kind of just genuinely honest. Like, honestly, I was just done with it. I didn't, I didn't want to do guitar clinics anymore. I just got tired of flying in and, and, you know, doing guitar to the backing tracks and explaining it. And I, you know, I just, I was just over it and I was looking for the next thing. So that's how I kind of ultimately worked my way into doing TV and film, which is where I'm at now. With your songwriting and maybe it goes back a little bit too. Has, has it changed a lot? Because like now I can look back and say, just for example, the Poison thing. Like you, pl- I felt like you played with the music of the band, whereas Kotzen played almost better on some level because of his style. Like it outshined the band on that album. But you, you played to the the band skill set. It feels like and it's not a dig towards yeah, it's anybody. Just, it's just two, it, two it, different approaches, right? I mean, so, and I think your songwriting. I'm, I'm asking and saying is, I think is your songwriting going as a team effort until you're doing it yourself and then you kind of got your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's just, yeah, it's, so there's two, there's, okay. So once again, everything becomes kind of semi-contradictory at one point, because honestly there are no rules. It's just different horses for different courses. So I'll kind of preface it by saying that. So when I'm doing a guitar record, like my guitar records were, were honestly the only thing, like my first record, the only thing that was supposed to be was rather than handing a cassette tape with a black and white photo, it was a CD in color. So all it was, was kind of like a demonstration CD, like, hey, you want to hear me? Plus press any song, any point in a song, just drag it there. And that's me doing what I do, you know, on a certain level over that background. Right. So it wasn't about, man, I've got to create, it wasn't like a Joe Satriani approach where he created, like when he did especially surfing with the alien, that was a very well-crafted musical journey. And, and I get it. Mine was the antithesis of that. Mine was like, dude, mine was like the, the UFC version of that. It was like, we're just going to throw you in a cage. You know, we're going to start fucking swinging. You know, we're going to see what happens. It can change at any point in any different day. You get clipped, you're down, or you may win, you know. And that was the approach, and that's always been my approach to guitar playing, sadly, for that type of thing when it comes to, like, the instrumental stuff. Because to be honest with you, personally, and this is just a personal preference, I don't think guitar instrumentals usually sound that great. Like, the only – there's a couple things. Surfing with the aliens, some – you know, there's – you know, there's, there's, there are there – are, There are artists, of course. I agree with you. I think, yeah, like, actually, you know, like Jeff Beck, Globe. Yeah, like blow by blow is like that's a oh, yeah. that what an what an amazing piece you know but in general the whole nam show approach to guitar is not for yeah. me you know what i mean so um so i went the other way i was like fuck it let me just you know let me just let's just fucking get down to business on this thing and that was my approach i think that's what separated a lot of my records from the records of the time because of the guys were you know obviously doing a lot of the faster picking and they were trying to make these themes they were trying to like kind of like make up for a singer that wasn't there i was like fuck the singer we don't <laughs> let's just get down and do it so that was always been the approach and i did it three times i made three records that way uh like the running joke when i would you know play like hair pick for my friends like right out of the gate it's almost like like, here you go. It's like a karate chop to the face, you know, and, and that's what it is. I put, I would put the least amount of melodic themes in there because I didn't, I just, I hate those things, you know, you know, on some weird way. So at least not for a whole record of it, you know, right. 
do, doing a nice melodic theme within a solo or a structure of a song, that's a whole game's totally different. But to sit there and listen to 30 minutes of some dude, it feels like crappy elevator music. I just felt like, what are those like weird like saxophone records where they would like do these yeah. themes and shit? And I was like, oh, that, I just felt like I lost a bet on those things. Like, so I went the other way. Um, so with Poison, it was basically like, I would just approach every situation differently. Like, you know, when I was playing with Jack Bruce, it was like, oh shit, this is going to be, we're going to jam and we're going to have like this kind of conversation on stage and we're going to take it and push it and pull it and it's going to be you know it's going to be like a fingerprint it'll never be the same one twice you know with poison it was kind of like i just would look at the situation i tried to assess almost like a pr- production standpoint like i looked at it like okay in any situation there's strengths and there's weaknesses you know let's say you have a you know a beautiful model but you know you film her from her best side on the other side maybe not as you know however the situation plays out. So with Poison, I just looked at them and I said, okay, they are great at, you know, A, B, and C, but not so great at D and E. So therefore I would just focus on the stuff that was, we would accentuate the positive and kind of try and downplay the negative, you know? And so that was the approach with them. And then especially when you meet the guys, they all have certain personalities. You have to just, you know, you just kind of know what works in the scenario. So that was that. Had I been with a, let's say a different band altogether, I would be a completely different record. And of course, during that record, I was still trying to, you know, uh, um, kind of establish and further define my guitar thing. So that was also, there was definitely some of that, like, okay, I kind of felt like we've worked this song up now. I have whatever, 16 bars of allowing to kind of break off and do my thing, you know, and kind of establish. So there was some of that too. Uh, And I think as had that situation stayed, I think it would have become more refined, meaning like I think the songs would have ultimately gotten better and the guitar work probably would have almost maybe declined in a certain way because I don't think it needed to be that for that project. You know what I mean? Or it would have become maybe better because it, I would have found a, a, a cooler way of doing it. Maybe with the guitar solo, you just put a cool guitar solo. Like what is that? Like uh, what's that ZZ Top song, Arrested uh for driving while blind, just the way he does that cool, like he outlines the chords, like what a cool solo for such a cool shuffle type song like that. I would have aspired to put it in that direction, but we only ended up doing one record. And then the record, because it just fell where it fell and ended up getting shelved at the time, didn't come out to like six, seven years later. And by that time, no one cared. (laughs) It was, was what it was, you know? So how have you gotten into doing, I mean, you've done a lot of TV shows and movies and film and like, yeah, when you're scoring, are you actually getting, are you, are you like pre-writing stuff and then have like a library? And then they say, hey, this is what we have an idea. Like they'll send you a script or an idea, or do you have to see the, see it like a clip of the video or the movie? And then you get inspired. How's that go? Well, so once again, there's no right or wrong way. It, it depends. Typically not for me because I kind of fell into a real specific situation. I have done that way where they send you the thing and you're watching this movie with no music and it's weird. Like, you're just like, wow. When like, if you know, watch a movie and like, you know, even if you, I can't even say mute it because then you, you still get, you know, but I mean with just dialogue and like, you're just watching this thing. And you're like, wow. You know, it's like the, the music can truly almost really make it or break it at certain times. It's like, think of that scene in Kill Bill where that did it and you know, that like where the, they got Lucy Lou walking. Yeah. You got like that. I mean, if you didn't have that thing, it would be like, that would be weird. I know like, you're talking about. Yeah. I've heard it. It's yeah, it's, it's film, and there's like you know they're dancing. Sorry, I mean, it's the they're like you see people dancing in the scene, but there's no music. Yeah, they're just like you know, the way I've typically been working. I got very lucky, and so um, about 20 years ago, uh, it was well even before then. I was at the time I was dating a girl, and she uh, was was kind of like the assistant to one of the real big head head honchos over at Fox Television. He was this guy named Jeff Kalman. 
And there was a guy, Ron Scalera, uh, amazing dude. Ron was awesome. He's, he's since passed, which is very regrettable, but he, these guys were cool. They were kind of like the outlaws of the industry in, in a certain way. They were, you know, I think Jeff was like the VP of, of promotion. I forget what the title was cause I'm just getting older, but, um, so, and they were like closet guitar guys. So I was in the Santa Monica mall with, you know, and, you know, everybody liked, liked my girlfriend cause she was, you know, she was easy on the eyes and she was pleasant. So everybody was like, Hey, and they ran into her. And then I'm just sitting there like, you know, and they're like, Oh, and then he kind of knew me from the, um, from the, from the guitar stuff. And he's like, Hey, would you want to come in and do some stuff for Fox? And keep in mind, I'm just a journeyman at this point. I'm just working job to job or tour to tour. So he's like, yeah, "Yeah, we'll pay you. I'm like, what? You know? And so, you know, so I met with these guys and it was just very fortunate because they were kind of like, you know, the outlaws of the industry. Like they would fly me in to play like these shows in, in, like Washington DC, like these promo shows where the guy would have his Harley flown in. And so he would come down the aisle in his Harley and I would be like on the stage with smoke going, doing like crazy guitar stuff. Like, you know, and it just really freaked everybody out because it was just such a different world. You know, it was like, it was a, you know, it was a promotional convention. It was like going to like an insurance convention. They didn't know what to make of it. And they liked me because I was like, wild and reckless but professional you know what i mean right. so like i was yeah. i would show up on time and, you know, they knew i was going to make the flight they knew they could count because they you know they had a lot riding on this i mean this was like a, the whole show was based around this big thing and so i couldn't be you know out the night before partying it had to, to get done so they liked me because but then i was also kind of reckless with the approach and they liked that the wildness and so it was like controlled chaos basically and so I kind of started working with them and then they would just keep like every now, every couple months, like I remember Jeff calling me going, Hey, I just came back from my kids. You know, my kids school did a parade and they have like their, 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 their band. He goes, I, I want to make that like the whole sound for like the Fox, the whole fall Fox thing. So they cut now they booked me a studio in Santa Monica and they bring in the whole marching band. And it was interesting, you know, because now I got a whole, I got like, you know, 15 kids that are good enough to play their rudiments, but they can't veer from it. So I had walked in with this whole thing, like, kind of orchestrated radio i'm like here's what we're gonna do here's the tempo and they were just looking at me like dumbfounded and everything i did they just it was almost like what's that punching bag that just kind of comes back up at you like everything i did was basically just got they just kind of they could really just do what they did so i just said okay fuck this so i had to just cut bait right there i'm like i'll tell you what just record it. I would just sit there because this was, you know, pre-digital. I would just sit there and record them for 60 seconds. I'd be like, okay, I would go. They would just do their rudiments, you know, and, th- and then I would, okay, stop. Okay, thank you. And then I'd send them all home. And then I just had to build the, the sound around what I had to work with. And that became like the whole Fox campaign. You've heard it a thousand times, don't even realize it, you know. So I would get to do stuff like that. It was just cool challenges. And that's kind of how I got into it. Because keep in mind, I didn't finish high school. I don't read music. I don't know any of that stuff. It's just, I just go like, it's just kind of like instinctual, you know? So from there, it just kind of grew. And then I got, uh, I got tied in with these, uh, these two gentlemen from a company called extreme. And it was a guy named Russell Emanuel and a guy named Dolph Taylor. And they were these two guys that um, they were kind of like, once again, they were the outlaws of like the, uh, the music production world, which was kind of interesting, you know, because at the time, you know, music production was real stiff. You'd get like this yeah. really kind of, you know, this was 20 years ago and the stuff didn't sound very good. It was not inspired. It was always like a variation on some theme. It was, it just felt like, it felt like when you're demoing ideas that aren't that good and you're like, well, I got these ideas, let me throw them out there. But these guys walked in and they were, um, they were from the UK and they were really great at a couple a couple exceptional at a couple different things one their marketing was amazing and two they had great ears they were they were both they were both musicians so 
they came and I actually met them via Dweezil of all things. They wanted to, to license some stuff with his dad, but that wasn't going to happen. So what ended up happening was they said, Hey, listen, we're kind of going to make a run for this, this, you know, license thing, but we want to do this on like the next level. We want to basically make it so that when you license our stuff, it's like, you're getting a record, you know, which at the time wasn't really the case. So they went to Dweezil and said, Hey, we're going to, do you want to do these tracks? And he's like, yeah, 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 let's do this. And then, he said, hey, this is actually going to be a, a bigger project than I thought. He goes, can I bring my buddy? And they're like, we don't care how you do it. Just get it done. So then he came to me. And originally, we were excited because we were going to work on it together. It was going to be like this like record. We, we always wanted to make a record working together. Then it would have been awesome, you know. Um, but then he ended up, I think this was, and honestly, I'm, this may be a little out of the timeline. I can't really remember because it's just, you know, I, I just can't keep, you know, my hard drive doesn't erase like it used to. Uh, so... Ultimately, I think this was when he decided to reteach himself how to play guitar so that he could do his dad stuff on the road. And I was like, dude, you're not going to be able to. It's not really made for guitar. He's like, no, no. And so, like, he basically, <laughs> like, once again, set off on, like, this crazy, like, epic adventure to, like, relearn how to play guitar, like, with economy picking. And I just remember saying, going, what, what, what? You know, and I gave him the hardest time about it. And he literally <laughs> took a year off. And did like six months to a year he did relearn it. it's incredible relearn it it was crazy and then when he showed up he like had all this like reverse pay. i was like and he could do the stuff that wasn't even meant to be done on guitar so i guess he got the last laugh on that one um <laughs> so but ultimately what ends up happening was uh i had to kind of finish this project and he was like ah this is turning out to a bigger project so we kind of ended up almost like dividing and conquering a little bit mm -hmm. and so i got kind of feel for doing it and so when I handed in, the guys at Extreme were like, yeah, this is great, man. We're good. And then he handed his and they liked his. And we ended up working on like one track together. So they, they came back and were like, hey, can we do more of this? And so keep in mind, I had just come off of doing all the session work and all the production. I'd been doing producing. I was producing like a lot of actors and singers because I was trying to find a way to kind of get another foothold in the music industry. And I didn't want to do right. the guitar stuff as much anymore. So, um, so what ended up working was when I came in, I came from making records. I was working. So when I handed them stuff, I was literally making a record for them. So they were freaking out because they're like, Hey, this is great. It was a whole different approach. So what ends up happening and how I ended up falling into this is extreme through the years ends up growing. They kind of got a foothold and they really start to rise up through the ranks. Weasel decides to do his touring thing. And so I kind of go back to him going, Hey, do you mind if I kind of run with this? Because, you know, it was kind of like your gig. He's like, dude, I'm, you know, he was so focused on doing the, the stuff, the, the, you know, the Zappa stuff. He's like, I don't even want, you know, just go do your thing. I'm like, cool. So I kind of really start focusing on doing this. And now it was kind of a reward system in the beginning, which is kind of what it didn't end up happening with, let's say like a, with any of the previous gigs that I had done, because I, what ends up happening was I start doing this. We're kind of figuring out, I start working extreme gets sold out to, I think they sell it to Viacom originally, and then they get rebought out. I think, or they, I don't know how the business end worked, but ultimately they ended up with Sony. So over, as they grow and then Dolph ends up departing, he ends up, and then Russell kind of it becomes Russell takes over. So at that point, Russell comes to me and he goes, Hey, listen, you know, why aren't we doing more of this stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, I guess we could, so then it goes into hyperdrive then. And now what's happening is it's been a year or two or three or however the, the timeline goes. But now the money starts coming in. So what happened was before I was kind of using it to like offset other things. It was just one of the many things on my plate. Right. And now it's becoming there's so much kind of like now money starting to kind of trickle in. And now I can kind of don't I can start turning other things down. I can kind of stay focused ultimately on more of this. So now it's like the reward system is starting to pay off. And so as that happens, 
now I can start putting more money in. I can put more time in. Now we just start refining it. And so what happens is as extreme grows, they go through the ranks. They start literally surpassing everybody because their content was so much better. And they were smart. What they were great at is they would go to people that were very genre specific. So for example, if they wanted great hip hop, they wouldn't come to me because it would be cool and different, but it wasn't, you know, they would go to like Snoop Dogg and they'd say, Hey, let's just go to Snoop and get hip hop from him because that's what that guy does. And then, or they wanted, you know, they'd go to, you know, George Martin for string stuff, or they'd go to Eddie Kramer for, you know, whoever, you know, or, or, or exhibit or whoever they would, whoever they're now they're, you know, they go to Hans Zimmer. So they're just dealing with the top of the food chain here. So I just decided I'm going to stay in my lane. So I stayed with the rock stuff, the edgy, the bluesy stuff, the rock stuff, the dark country stuff, dark country, the yeah. punk stuff, anything that was anything that needed some grease on it. I was your guy because that was ultimately where was my was my skill. That was where my skill set would shine the most. I could do the orchestral stuff, but it would take me long, a long time to get it where I was happy with it. And the bottom line is people that would just live in that world could just you know, do it so much faster. So I was like, fuck it, let me just stay in my lane. And, and then it just became a thing. And then what ended up happening was then we kind of started almost like defining genres, like what we did really, really well was like, like all that Americana rock stuff, like all the guitar stuff that was really kind of embedded in our culture, I would find ways of, of doing it. And it just became a different challenge. Because now, you know, um, you're behind the scenes. So you're not sitting there. It's not, so I'm sitting there watching, like I'm sitting there with my kids. We're watching uh, Tiger King. We're laughing. We're having, you know, and then, you know, I'm like, oh, snap, that's our stuff right there. And then you'll hear, or you're watching something on Amazon or Hulu or, or Netflix or whatever. And you're, you're actually like, okay, you know, I'm watching movies and there's scenes. And so the way it works is that. So now the way I work to get to your like original question was, They'll come to me and say, hey, listen, we have a genre that's doing really well right now. They'll say, okay, like, for example, let's say, I don't know, let's say the Black Keys releases a record and it's doing really well. They'll say, man, that stuff is licensing gold. So can we do stuff that's in the vein of that? But it has to be authentic. It has to be real. You don't want to just do a knockoff of that because that's so, it's so one. sounding. It's, yeah, it's uninspired. It's cheesy. And honestly, it's short lived because any trend has its moment. But you got to realize everything works on such a delay you know, think of it as like a big steamboat that's just going down the, you know, down the, going through the ocean. You have to keep stoking the the engine to keep it moving and it'll turn, but it takes a minute to turn. You know what I mean? It's not, so by the time you turn it, then it has to go, you know, so you're, you're almost like a year and a half delayed. So my job is to go in and say, okay, you know, whatever the project, whether it's country, whether it's this, I go, they'll give me like a bunch of references. I listen to them and go like, okay, like, for example, you know, Johnny Cash, I'd listen to him and go, okay, this is really where the strength is in this genre like this. So I have to find a way of taking and kind of cultivating the essence of that, but doing my own thing with it so right. that, you know, you, you, you know what it is and you, you know, you know, your ears are instantly pleased by it, but it's not that it's almost like its own thing. So it's tough because being the person in the front is always hard. You're the person fighting the windstorm and then everybody else just kind of drafts behind you. You know what I mean? So like I kind of felt like with the dark country, like, you know, I felt like we were really responsible for putting that into yeah. forward motion because it really wasn't that much of a thing when we were doing it, you know, and then like I was came like, out of oh. nowhere all of a sudden. Yeah. It just came out of nowhere. And I think a part of it was because we kind of were doing that, you know, I was kind of coming up with these ideas. And so it was interesting because I would work, I would talk to the other composers and they're like, yeah, we would just wait and see what you did. And we would just draft behind you and do it. I'm like, Oh fuck. You know, that's because you just can't keep, copying yourself so um 
so that's kind of what I do. So they'll come to me and say, hey, and so I'll take this, you know, I'll kind of, I approach it like making a record. We put it in this catalog and it's non-exclusive, which is great because I've had literally the same song being used by like, you know, uh, Jack in the Box, Reese's Pieces, Reese's, you know, whatever, Chocolate there, and Ford Trucks. Same piece at the same time, I would flick through channels and hear it. And they didn't care because they didn't have to pay, you know, one you know, people that were watching Ford commercials weren't necessarily watching, you know, chocolate commercials or whatever. But in essence, um, you could go to, let's say, you know, a, a known band and you'd have to pay 150 grand to get even rights to it. Or you could pay, you know, 10% and you could get, you know, uh, this thing. And it sounded just as cool as a record. So that's kind of ultimately how I approach stuff. So a lot of times, uh, if I'm not scoring a picture, a lot of times they're just, it's usually just music supervisors dropping it in a lot of times. So different challenge because you have to give them a, um, you have to get your point across in a very short amount of time. You have to give them the tools to work with because in essence, you're giving them a toolbox, which they're going to put on a grid and be able to chop up. So, and a lot of times here's the crazy part. If you want to know the real truth to it is that, um, and then what happened was for the first, which I'll get to in a second, but the first 10 years was just instrumental stuff. So that was candy. That was like, all right, we can do this. And then where it got a lot more difficult is when they wanted to make uh, vocals, because now you, the second you put any kind of vocal, you've just thrown your hat in with, with, you know, everybody from Billie Eilish to, you know, I mean, you know, you know, two chains. I mean, you're in there with everybody now, you know what I mean? Like you, you're, you know, so that's where it gets difficult because with instrumental, you can kind of, is it good? Is it great? Who can really tell? You know what I mean? You know, second yeah. you put vocals, everybody knows whether you're up to par and now you have the melodic issue and then you have the uh, lyrical content and then you have the vocal performance. So you have these three things that come in that you didn't have, because if you don't have great lyrical content, boo, <laughs> you know, if you don't have melody, boo, you know, and if the singer sucks, boo like you know try and take a rap track and put a singer that can't rap on it you know what i mean so you're done it's done i mean you, you know there's certain genres like you know hip-hop r&b 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 a little less because i think you can get different singers to really do it but like hip-hop you've got to live it otherwise don't even bother it believe it or not country you know because everybody makes fun of country because i think it's this or that but if you don't live it and you're just putting out like kind of like you know professional country Mm-hmm. boo <laughs> you know how about the blues a lot of the a lot of the blues artists out there if you're not yeah. that person boo you know what i mean it doesn't work like i don't you know i don't care for like the real polished version of anything i always like the authenticity of it and so there's just certain genres pop you can kind of get away with because it's by nature such a, a polished has no soul <laughs> well I, I, I wouldn't say it has no soul because i'll just get you know but, you know, but in essence, my point is I've got a Rolodex of singers I can get to come sing pop tracks or, you know, R and, you know, even R&B, you can kind of cheat it a little bit. But but um, try and find a punk singer that can sell it. That's hard. You know what I mean? And or, 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 you know, try and find a guy that sings like Mark Lanigan. Good luck. You know, what I mean, <laughs> it's it's tough. So um, and so that's that's kind of the, the thing. So mine's almost like a reverse engineered approach a little bit, but it's tough and it's just a different set of challenges. But. I've had more success. The crazy stuff is I've had so much more success behind the scenes now than I've ever had in front of it. But once again, you, you don't know because it's not necessarily, I guarantee if you're watching any time either social media or television of any kind, I, I don't think you can't not hear it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, so it's just a different approach and I really enjoyed it. So for me, it's been great because I got to say, I've, and I get offers all the time to do stuff and I have so much work 
with the guys over at Extreme that in it's it's already kind of on a reward basis system because I've been feeding into that machine for so long that I get the, you know, I'm already reaping the rewards. So rather than if I score your movie, then it's exclusive to you. Whereas if I take the same amount of, let's say I take a hundred hours and I score your movie, you know, I can take a hundred hours and put a track in, which will go and it goes international, you know, it, you're playing from around the world, different time zones, different cultures, different everything. It just goes out there. It's it's like it's the ultimate way of making passive income, ultimately, you know, which was the exact opposite of what my earlier career was. My earlier career was just job to job to job. And it was more glorious. And you're playing in front of people and you're doing interviews and it's great. But once the money's spent, it's spent. Whereas this way right. I can kind of lay in the cut. Definitely. And for me, I, I wanted to raise a family. And ultimately I just knew that if I wasn't there to water the garden, it wasn't going to grow. It's very hard. And I, and I respect anyone that tries to really pull it off, but you know, and there's raising a family, then there's raising a family, you know, just really right. putting the time in and, and being there to try and do the heavy lifting and try and get the best result you can with the opportunity presented. It's not necessarily just sending a check home, you know? So for me, I wanted to kind of, you know, uh, really give it the best I could because I just didn't really want to have kids and not give them the best shot possible. I mean, the world sucks enough <laughs> the way it is now. So, um, well, you're still living a normal life. So it's all the perks are there, you know, yeah. it it's, seems like it's a plus, 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 you know, to me, you know, it's, and then, um, if you don't, you know, if you don't want the, if you don't want the accolades, yeah, it's fine. If you want, you know, if you want to go out there, I mean, some people, it just depends who you are as an artist. Some people's voice is, I want to make this instrumental record and I want to be a guitar. You know, that's who they're meant to be. And, and, I, and I get it. You know, if you're, you know, for me, mine was just kind of more, um, it was just, there was just more, more, it was more multi, I don't want to say, I, I'm not even sure what the terminology is. Mine was just kind of like these, all these tools in a toolbox that I, I enjoy using and so for me it wasn't i wasn't a type of artist where i had a vision or i had such a specific thing to say you know let's take a band like rage against the machine obviously it's politically motivated you know certain type you know i didn't have that in me it wasn't authentic to me you know so i could enjoy theirs for what it is but i didn't have that to offer so right. mine was a little different mine was more of a uh, different thing so that i was i was content doing it this way because i got to do so much i mean i got to play in front of people and i've done it like and that's why you know, honestly, I didn't like playing the stadiums a ton because you're so far removed from the audience. I mean, you have, you know, this big stage, you have these, you have almost like the, the security barrier in front of you, then you have people and you're far away. It, you had to learn a different skill set to communicate and, and enjoy the experience and, you know, versus playing in a club where you're sitting there, everybody's sweaty, you're piled on top of each other. It's cool. You can reach out and, you know, literally, you know, physically yeah, touch them. You know what I mean? So it, it, they're just different. And I, so I enjoyed each challenge because it was, but once I've done it, I mean, honestly, once I've played the stadiums, I don't need to play it six months every two years. Like, I get it. Like, you know, I have to be honest with you, once you've done it like five, six times, it's like, you know, I kind of, it's, I would think it's like jumping out of an airplane. Like once you've had the experience, I don't know if I need to jump out of an airplane every day of my life. Like, you know what I mean? I just think there's other challenges to be had. So for me, uh, you know, I want to be sincere about it and give people the absolute best. Like I want you to experience it the way, like when, you know, when I heard my first, whatever rock and roll record, man, all the, you know, all the, all the, all the lights lit up. And so that's the thing I'm chasing. And I want you to experience that with me. So, you know, if I'm bored, I don't know how I can get you to be excited about it. You know what I mean? It's like telling the joke for the 8,000th time. It's like, ugh. you just, I'd rather just find a new joke, you know? So that's kind of been my whole approach moving forward. You, and I want to wrap up with this one. I want to say, 
I've been listening to and, and do the, the running with the, the, the Devil's uh, Dweezil series that he has. Yeah. And you did, it was a double episode, actually, because you guys, you know, Tom Fuller, you guys are so hilarious together. It was so much fun <laughs> to listen to you guys. I tell you, when you were talking about the uh, going to your first concert and you guys were cracking up, it was the yeah. funniest thing coming. I was, I was driving to work. I was lost. It was the funniest thing. And I've never yeah. seen Dweezil break down like that. That was... Um, yeah, two of us in a room is never good. It's it's it just it just goes there instantly. But keep in mind, we've you know, you know, we've I've known him for over thirty years, so we just have a different dynamic, and you know, and it's it, it's just you know, like when it's like we were just so like it was so like I we'd be at his house, we'd be listening to music, and like whatever celebrity would show up, we wouldn't even go down. We didn't give a shit because we were like in the we were like listening to Ozzy, like you know, we're yeah. listening to Randy Rose, like don't shh, everybody quiet, you know what I mean? It was like. So we just kind of had those those things. And yeah, the two of us, like the two of us doing a podcast is just a recipe for brutalness. I mean, it's like, you know, and I really wish like I really wish the world, which is sad, like just is just, you know, like not to make it a social commentary thing. But like, I really wish people would you could just get away doing absolutely whatever you wanted, because if you have two people and their intent is really just good and you could just let the chins off the shit that would come out of that would just be. I mean, whole. I can't even possibly explain to you the the insanity would sue, but it's just so hard now because, like, what can you say? What can you not say? Even if you're right. trying to, you know, you know, trying to the shit that's funny is gonna, uh, uh, you know, there's always somebody that takes offense to it, so it's it's always a little tough. But that was just a great experience to do those podcasts because it was so focused on a particular thing that we that we both right. held so we revered it so highly. You know what I mean? And and the the silliness that came out of it is, is, is typical, but yeah, that's just kind of what you see in that podcast is typically just a, a night of us hanging out. That's kind of how it always ends up going. So. Good. Yeah. People need to check it out. And a nutshell, the story is you were talking about your first concert, how your parents actually brought you in to the concert and yeah. you never actually explained because Jesus was laughing so hard. Yeah. Did they ever say why they did that? They, they brought you, they brought you into the concert in a, in a bag. Yeah, they brought me in. Okay, the way the way the story's been told to me, and, and I called my mom because we were laughing. We were gonna call. I wanted to call my mom on the spot, but we just we were laughing too hard, so we just put it together. But, yeah, it was. So the way it was explained to me was that I, I want to say it was in Canada. I think it was a thing called the Strawberry Festival, if I recall correctly. And my parents had their dog with them, so you know they had it was a German Shepherd, and so and it was an outdoor festival, so they wanted to bring the dog. And I think they were, they were, you know, I don't, first of all, they, this was, you know, this was, I don't know what was involved. This was the, you know, during the heyday. So in essence, as, as the story was told to me that they had a, they had like a shopping bag and they just like a big brown paper bag. And they just put me in the bag because they wanted to get the dog and me in or something like that. So, (laughs) so I guess. I'm not sure why they didn't just put the dog in the bag. That's but, what I was going to say. When I told yeah. my kid that story the other day. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, and I don't even yeah. understand. The, kid, the dog gets a preference over him. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there's pictures of me when my, my parents, my dad was building a house. And uh, this is, but this is just like, like, once you meet my dad, you'll understand. Like, he's just, he's such an outlaw in so many ways. But it's almost like the David, think of it like the, what I call the David Lee Roth pendulum, like, like when we were kids, like David Lee Roth was just like, it was so on top of the world. Like he could say mm-hmm. anything. And obviously part of it was because of our age and we were just so enamored with it, you know, but he went from like, you know, he went from that Dave to almost like now it's like Las Vegas Dave. I mean, the pendulum, which swung so what I feel was like one way now has yeah. gone completely the opposing way. And it's kind of like that in life. And so the craziness of my parents, which is a whole nother episode within itself, like this was my dad 
he decided to build his own house in Connecticut and he built it in, um, I want to say Col- Colchester, I think it was. Yep. Okay. And so he had it set up where he was on the outskirts of where like all the towns would meet, you know? So basically what happened was he could throw parties there and the cops wouldn't show up because, you know, the cop from from Colchester oh, yeah. was like, yeah, let the guy from Moodus deal with it. The guy from Moodus was like, I don't, no one wanted to go there. So <coughs> you could throw these parties. And so basically he took his house and he had it built, but he didn't have a roof on it. So he ends up, you know, you know, throwing a party and has the band playing there. But the house, in essence, was just acting as a big speaker, you know, and he lived <laughs> by a lake. Right. So in essence, and my, you know, my dad was playing like, you know, it was just like 200 watt marshals plugged in. Like it was, in, it was literally Woodstock and it would back, like the sound would just echo and bounce. So like he was making like four or five towns over, but none of the cops wanted to show up because they felt <laughs> it was the other thing. But that was like standard fare. Like there's pictures of me as a baby, like sleeping in the kick drum, you know, during band practice, you know what I mean? Because like, you know, that's standard. Like there's pictures of me in the guitar case crashed out, like just teeny, you know. So all this stuff of going to a concert in a paper bag doesn't even raise an eyebrow because that is such so minor in compared to the stuff that went on. I mean, it's well, that gives me some perspective because I'm like in, in my world, I mean, like there feels like there's a, a whole story behind that. Like, why would you do that? But it's just a it was Tuesday, you know what I mean? That was just, was, uh, yeah. yeah, there was no, you're, you guys, you're, 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 you're judging it by 2022 standards. It was like, yeah, I mean, the stuff, the stories, like if Quentin Tarantino wants his 10th movie, he should call yeah. me because I've got it. Like, it's just, this, the stuff is so insane and like, I don't even know what you can or can't tell these days, but yeah, bananas. I mean, yeah. And it's so funny because as a parent, you know, I'm so, you know, I'm so not that it's crazy. You know what I mean? So it's hard like to be saying, right now. Maybe, maybe the hard generation create does create the soft generation who knows, you know, or if I, you know, it's just, but it, it was grateful. I mean, I, I'm definitely grateful for all the experiences because like it's an unduplicatable scenario. Like yeah. there's no way I can't teach a master class on how I grew up. I mean, it's insane how I'm still even alive is literally the eighth wonder of the world. Like, I don't even, it's just the insanity that went on, Uh, but it was all good. It was funny. Like it makes for great stories now. Like I was telling a friend of mine, uh, you should watch the, what's the documentary class action park. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and there's obviously parts that are sad about it. I mean, I'm just saying if you could, if you could like, if you could objectively just like the first half of the movie, it's pretty much if they just gave my dad a, uh, uh, <laughs> a, 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 you know, an action park, basically. I mean, it's literally like, I was like watching that, like, yep. So you know many bad mean? decisions. But back then it was, I, I knew parks like that. I was, I mean, cause you know, I'm from Connecticut too. I'm like, I knew a lot of things in the area. In yeah, were they bad decisions or was it cool? I mean, <laughs> I mean exactly. They, they weren't bad decisions back then. Yeah. They were amazing. You know I mean? And it's so crazy. Cause you just can't do that stuff now. Like, uh-huh. you know, like we would do, we would, we would take guitar cables and we had this, like this big tree and we had these rocks that were like these massive jagged rocks. They were like, you know, four feet tall. Like, so it was literally like, if you threw anything on those rocks, they would be impaled instantly. We used to take guitar cables, double them up and swing out on the rope. And, you know, like, you know, we just, you know, it was standard fare. You know, my, my, you know, it's just growing. It was just a different it was just a different mentality. And I think that yeah. carrying that through probably is just reflects in the music approach because it was like, we just didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like we would jump from treetop to treetop because, you know, we thought it was cool. And then my brother would fall through and land, you know, it's like, it was just standard shit. And so I think we kind of took that approach. Like when I made my first records, I would borrow the, 
the, the, the uh, machines from Tascam, but they didn't have a punch in feature. So I had to figure a way of comping everything together, you know, but didn't give a shit because it was just the way we did stuff then. It was, you know, it just wasn't like things are today. So I think all these things were, were part of cool stories, you know, that we just. I think there's a good book in there. Oh, illustrated yeah. probably it gotta be illustrations because it just feels like oh yeah you definitely would have to draw it out it's definitely there's a documentary i just don't know if i just don't know if there's enough people that would you know if it warrants oh. enough people doing it you know i mean it would be a great pat it would be a great work of uh i actually want to make a someday i want to make a story about my dad's life because it's so uh crazy um but i don't know if it, you know i just don't know if i have the time or effort to to do it but yeah would i be... think it'd be awesome even you you have such an arc in your story and there's great stories there's a lot of relatability to it you know Oh yeah, that's it's, there's, it's there's stuff, banana. Man. It's like I mean, <laughs> I tell them stories, and they'll call me back two days later, like what? You know, after they've slept on it, I'm like, yep, that happened. You know, so but it was all good. I mean, it was you know, it was nothing, uh, nothing that wasn't wasn't good. But so that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you, man. It's been awesome. Thanks. For yeah, thank you. I listen. I really appreciate anybody that has the patience to weed through my my blabbering. I really appreciate it, and uh, I've always been very appreciative of anybody that contributed to my career in any way, shape, or form. To be honest with you, so. I appreciate it.